Hello and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. On this week's show, we're talking about the round of 16, game one. It's playoff time in the BCL. Game one is in the books. So here to recap all of that action with me is David Hein over in Germany. Dave, how are you doing this week? Pretty good. My uh, sweep prediction uh, didn't quite uh, go so well with uh, Nizni. Uh, Dijon said, hey, Dave. Uh, that's what you get for for picking against us, but uh, yeah, fun stuff. Uh, game day one of the uh, round of sixteen, and uh, let's see what uh, let's see what game day two brings. Yeah, and coming up later on the show, we have Marcelinho Huertas, the Brazilian legend, the Tenerife point guard, who has had a phenomenal career both uh, you know, in South America, throughout Europe, and also in the NBA. Uh, this season, he's having a phenomenal year with Tenerife. So Dave talked to Marcelino for about 35 minutes on a variety of different topics. So make sure you stay tuned for that coming up later in the show. Salvo chases it down. Now to Benite. Positive start for Burgos. Benite for three! And Pozeco has to get a timeout because Burgos are like a house on fire right now. Only one of the eight road teams won this week. So, Dave, let's start off our round of 16 game one recap with that game. San Pablo Burgos beating Dinamo Sassari on the road 84-81. to This is a really interesting matchup. A lot of firepower on both sides. Uh, we highlighted this as one of the series to watch coming into this, uh, into the round of 16, and it definitely did not disappoint. Burgos started out on fire on the road, a 16 to 6 lead. Vitor Benite was bombing threes. Bruno Fittipaldo was hitting some. Augusto Lima was swatting shots and finishing dunks on the other end. Uh, and Dave Sassari, you know, they, they had a chance. They fell behind by about 15, but they had a big third quarter. They gave gave themselves a chance to win, but just couldn't close it out at home. Uh, what did you see in, in this one with the Spanish side stealing home court in Italy? Yeah, uh, it was actually even 17 points, 17-point uh, lead uh, for Burgos early in the uh, third quarter. And uh, Cesari, uh, you know, Basically, you know, got rid of that entire lead and uh, that deficit actually went ahead uh, either by three or four points. Uh, wasn't able to finish. Uh, you know, they, they only had uh, one point in the final 250. And, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of taking threes down the stretch, had a turnover. And, uh, you know, for, for kind of all the work that they did um, uh, in getting back, and uh, you know they just weren't able to reward themselves in in in, uh, in getting that home you know getting back home court advantage, you know they 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 turned uh, they turned Burgos over twenty one times, and uh, ended up getting thirty points on that you know which is obviously loads of uh, of of easy production, uh, and uh, but just couldn't get it done. Earl Clark, you know you mentioned the others, but Earl Clark was was huge. Um, you know sixteen seven, uh, also two two steals, two blocks, and had the huge tip-in uh, with uh, about 20 seconds or so left uh, for the final score. And, uh, yeah, you know I mean? You have to tip your hat to, to Burgos uh, and obviously Vitor Benitez as, as well for his just insane uh, shooting performance. Uh, you know, now it's it's up to Cesare to go out, uh, you know, pick themselves up, uh, head out on the road and, and, and grab a, a victory in Spain. 
Yeah, in- interesting note on this game. Sasari, they had only played one game in the last month leading into this game because of uh, coronavirus in Italy affecting their schedule and also the BCL just taking a break for a few weeks between the regular season and the playoffs. So they, uh, you know, were not in game shape and kind of up to game speed in this one. Uh, I think that showed early as Borgos jumped out to that early lead. Benite finished with 30 points on 7 of 10 three-point shooting. Uh, Borgos attempted 13 more threes than Sasari and made six more. That was a big factor as well, just the uh, the three-point line. And Deshaun Pierre, only five points in this game for Sasari. Uh, this is a guy who's an MVP candidate. During the regular season, he averaged 13 points, nine rebounds. He did have 11 boards in this game, but only five points. Uh, Sasari definitely need to find a way to get him more involved in game two if they're going to, you know, go back to Spain and and win back home court advantage. Uh, Dave, do do you think Pierre can get going in game two? For sure. For sure. It's, uh, you know, he's he's been one of the best players in the league the whole season, and, and really there's no. There's no real reason why he can't, um, and like you said, there's you know they're gonna be uh, needing him. Uh, you know, Jamie Smith also, uh, you know, another game that on the weekend now to to kind of get him into uh, into the system and what they want to do. So um, you know, this is gonna be a big game also over the weekend in in Italy to try to um, you know to to get their heads back on on straight and and and, and go out and uh, and and even up the series. From the one team that got a road win in Borgos, let's go to another team that came oh so close to stealing home court advantage. That's Telecom Baskets Bond. They lost 92-85 on the road at Ike, but it was a much closer game than that. In fact, Bond led by six entering the fourth quarter until Ike won the fourth quarter 28-15. to uh, Kendrick Ray caught fire. Bond actually still led by one point with four minutes left, but Ray was just absolutely cooking. He finished with 27 points, six three-pointers. Jonas Machulis hit some big shots. Uh, Keith Langford had like a mid-range step-back dagger. And Ike pull out the win at home. Martin Broenig, our guest on the podcast a couple weeks ago, 16 points, 11 rebounds for Bonn, but not quite enough to lead them to the win on the road. Dave, what did you think about the Greek side, you know, showing their, their veteran toughness and uh, championship experience uh, down the down the stretch in this one? Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if you actually noticed, uh, that uh, actually Howard St. Roos was in the house. Um, they, they showed him, they showed him on the, uh, on the broadcast, uh, CSK was actually playing against, uh, Panathinaikos, uh, the next game, uh, the next day in the, in the EuroLeague. So he actually came to, uh, came to the Ike game to, to, to root on his, uh, former team. That was pretty cool. Yeah, um, that's awesome. you know, I, you look at really probably one of the biggest numbers was the the twenty five to twelve uh, points off turnovers. Um, you it was uh, it was just a two point game with uh, with about two and a half minutes uh, or maybe three and a half minutes or so left, and Bond had four possessions in a row where they had turnovers and uh, and turned that into uh, Ike was able to turn it into uh, to seven points uh, to open that seven point lead with a minute and a half. Um, and then Saibo missed three free throws uh, with uh, 
Let's see. That's it. it missed uh, the the free three throws with 48 seconds left, which would have uh, made a six point game into a three point game if he had had all three free throws. was a was a problem for Bond all game. Uh, just 13 of 23, 59 percent. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, you know, this is a this is going to be a tough one for them to uh, to to have not gotten, let's say, you know, and this, you know, this was one of the things that I, I said, you know, they could maybe, you know, they had the new coach, uh, maybe a little bit unexpected, uh, not knowing exactly what uh, Bond was going to offer for Ike. And, you know, Bond had a chance to, if they, they have been able to steal this one to, 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 you know, finish a sweep uh, at, at home next week. Um, so, but weren't able to do it. You know, Saibu had a big game. Uh, Brown had, uh, had, had a pretty good performance too. uh, Bruinig, uh, with the double, double, but, uh, just not able to, to, to get it done. Turnover is a big, a big problem for, for Bonn. Yeah, absolutely. The the late turnovers were a problem, but the series shifts to Germany next week. They'll probably be feeling pretty confident about their chances in that one. The winner of Ike versus Bonn will play the winner of this series, Nimburg versus Bandirma. This one was a lot more exciting a week ago when we were recording uh, <laughs> with uh, Bandirma. You know, this this looked like a matchup between Emmanuel Terry and Zach Hankins in the post, but Bandirma unfortunately had some financial issues, couldn't pay their imports, and so this turned into Nimburg versus the Bandirma under-23 Turkish team. Only seven players saw the floor for Bandirma. Uh, Terry, Ian Hummer, Jamie Smith all gone. Uh, Pruitt and Kalinowski were held out of this game. Nimburg, led by as many as 29, uh, ended up winning this one 92-70. to 70. Uh, Dave, you know, obviously blowout win for Nimburg, as we should expect. They were the team with the most wins entering the playoffs. Uh, but, a, but a pretty good effort from, from the Turkish kids, I would say. Uh, yeah, I mean, you do have to tip your hat to the kids. Um, and, but the, you know, clear, clear advantage for, for Nimbrook. Um, uh, and, you know, they also, you know, were able to work in, uh, uh work back in Michael Dixon. Um, and, you know, it, this, this is, you know, I, it would be a miracle, almost a miracle for Bandirma to, uh, to grab, to grab, uh, to grab the road to the home victory next week. I uh, just don't see it happening, um, with, uh, with Nimbrook as strong as they are. And, and Bandirma really just, uh, going the, the, the route that they, uh, unfortunately decided to, that they had to go. Um, you know, long-term for them, probably not a bad thing, you know, giving these guys time, uh, and, you know, great exposure to, to, um, to, uh, to this high level of competition. Uh, but for quality of, uh, chances of, 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 uh, of advancing in the basketball champions league, probably not that high. Yeah. In the win for Nimburg, Wojciech Ruban, 19 points, nine rebounds, Jaromir Bochik, easy work, 18 points in 18 minutes. For the veteran as Nimburg cruised to the win. We mentioned San Pablo Burgos and Cesari earlier. The winner of that series will face the winner of Hapoel Jerusalem and Peristeri. As expected, Jerusalem got the win in game one, 91 to 78 in an arena with no fans because of the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, Jerusalem 
Big fourth quarter helped them to the win. A very balanced scoring effort, as you would expect from a team as loaded as them. Uh, Tayshawn Thomas, James Felding, Shelvin Mack, all those guys got involved. New addition Emmanuel Terry came over from Bandirma and threw down a huge alley-oop dunk. Uh, on the Peristeri side, Yannick Marrera, a double-double in the paint, but uh, he couldn't do quite enough to lead the Greek side to the upset on the road. Uh, Dave, do you, do you think Peristeri have a decent shot in Game 2, or do, do Jerusalem just sweep this one? Um, I really I really don't see Peristeri, um, you know, getting back into this one. Uh, you know, they, they struggled 28% from three-point range. They only forced nine turnovers, uh, and, you know... There's just so many weapons uh, that that uh, Jerusalem have. You know, Peristeri were actually still close. It was a one point game. Uh, you know, late in the third quarter, and then it was a thirteen to one run to uh, to open up a thirteen point lead with about six minutes left, and then the game was basically decided. You know, you mentioned the big fourth quarter. Uh, you know. Jerusalem only gave up 11 points and, you know, defensively with everybody that they have and, and, and then adding a, a defensive juggernaut like Emmanuel Terry, uh, you know, it's, you know, there's just too much firepower on the one end. And then on the other end, uh, you know, you have all of these guys that can just play great defense as well. Uh, they share the ball, you know, three guys had five assists or more. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Peristeris has a huge task to try to, 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 to stay, in this one, and maybe force a game three. All right, let's move on to the all Turkish battle: Turk Telecom beating Besiktas eighty-nine to seventy-eight. TJ Campbell was huge in this one. BCL career high twenty-seven points. He also added eight assists to that. Mustafa Fall did his thing inside, dominating the paint, and Turk Telecom get the win over their Turkish rivals. Besiktas, another team that's kind of been, um, you know, un unfortunately they've had a lot of financial issues and have lost some of their better players. And uh, yeah, Dave, I think I think this matchup, just too much firepower on Turk Telecom uh, with, uh, you know, without without even mentioning some of their better players there. Uh, Nick, like Nick Johnson with that 360 dunk that he had or... Uh, you know, 280 or whatever Jeff Taylor called it, 270. Uh, what did you think of Turk Telecom, you know, taking care of business in game one? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think Pashiktas can be happy uh, about their performance. You know, they they did struggle uh, from, you know, inside the paint, uh, inside the three-point uh, the line, you know, the only shooting 47%. Uh, which isn't horrible, but it's, you know, it's not fantastic. And they just couldn't really stop, uh, Turk Telecom inside almost 63, almost 63% for them. Uh, you know, but Besiktas, you know, five guys in double figures. So they were able to, you know, share the ball and, and get, and get a lot of people, uh, involved. And, uh, you know, you you look at it and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a road loss, uh, you know, so you, it's not something that is going to kill you. You know, you, you go back home, you know, you stay home basically in, in Turkey. I mean, okay. you're going from Ankara back to, uh, to Istanbul. Um, but you know, you, you have, you have your home court advantage there and, 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 and to, to, to force a game three, you know, I, and I think there's enough Besiktas, uh, positiveness there, uh, that they can look forward to that, that, uh, you know, maybe, you know, Peristeri, uh, you know, Peristeri side, you know, for example, might not be as, as, uh, op, you know, as uh, optimistic going into the, the home game, maybe as Besiktas can. 
Yeah, absolutely. The winner of this series will face the winner of Dijon and Nizhny. Dijon strike first in that series, winning at home 88 to 73. The point guard matchup was as good as advertised. David Holston leading the way for Dijon, 21, six assists, three steals. Axel Julian also uh, got into the action with 13 points, seven assists. The high flying uh, Dijon offense was really dominant inside, 71% shooting uh, from two-point range for Dijon, which is crazy. Uh, a lot of a lot of those are just those athletes getting out in transition, finishing dunks. Um, so, yeah, Dave, you called a, a sweep here for Nizhny. Didn't quite yes. work out that way. Uh, what went wrong for your prediction? 19 turnovers. That's that'll do it. You know, you had you had uh, Brandon Brown play pretty well, nineteen points, uh, six assists, four steals. But uh, you know, the nineteen turnovers uh, as a as a team just way too much. Uh, you know, Dijon pulled away in the fourth quarter. It was still close, uh, but he mentions uh, you know seventy one. 71% on two, that's, you know, that's pretty, pretty crazy. So, uh, you know, they did force uh, 16 turnovers, which, you know, with the point guards, uh, you know, guard, strong guard play like Holson and Julian, you know, that's a pretty decent number to, to have, but you're just going to have to take care of the ball better uh, against those, those athletes that Dijon can throw at you. Uh, again, it's, it, it's a road loss. So it's one that, that, uh, that you can accept, uh, you know, you, you, you uh, you know, there's things that you know you can improve on, uh, and, and you know there is the the the, the nasty travel uh, of going to to Nizhny, so um, Nizhny Novgorod, so that they will have uh, going for them. Yeah, big trip to Russia coming up for Dijon and Nizhny. On the other side of the bracket, Zaragoza beat Liat Kabbalist seventy-six to sixty-seven. Zaragoza led by as many as eighteen in this game. Uh, Dylan Ennis and DJ Seeley led the way with fourteen. And for Zaragoza, you know, I, th- I think they they can be even more encouraged that Benzing and Brusino didn't have big shooting games. They were still able to get a win over Liat Kabbalist. Uh, Dave, do you, do you think the Lithuanian side can pull off a win at home in Game Two, or is this a Spanish sweep? Uh, I I think it's a Spanish sweep. I think Lee Cabellas can be kind of okay, happy, I guess, or whatever, knowing you're probably not going to shoot 39% from the field again. Uh, But, you know, who knows? But uh, on the other hand, you know, Saragossa, Saragossa, kind of like all season, you know, they they seem to be, uh, you know, have alarm bells, you know, let's say, you know, in, in their stats, you know, obviously there's, there's always good, you know, good points, uh, you know, 60, whatever percent on twos, but you look at the three point, the three pointers, only 20%. Uh, you look at free throws, you know, only eight of 17, that's 47%. You know, uh, this was a nine point game. You know, if that's, if that's a lot tighter against a, you know, a, a stronger opponent where, you know, you're, you're needing every point, you're not going to win games by shooting 47% from the free throw line. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you got a, you got a home victory now, you know, go finish business and, and, and get a, and get, uh, get, uh, two weeks off then, you know, not two weeks, but the, you know, in two weeks have that week off that you don't have to play, you know, midweek. Uh, but you know, there, there's a couple of alarm bells there for, for Saragossa that, you know, say it wasn't, it was a victory, but it wasn't necessarily as clean as, as we may have hoped. Yeah, and the winner of this series will face the winner of Tenerife and Ostend. Tenerife win game one expectedly, 85-75. to 75. 
Marcelino Huertas was unstoppable early on in this game. 15 points in the first quarter, including a buzzer-beating one-foot three-pointer to give Tenerife a nine-point lead. I think that was a really deflating moment for Ostend because they actually started pretty well in this game. Uh, you know, they, they couldn't contain Huertas. They couldn't stop Shermadini, which was expected. Uh, Shermadini finished with 25. But, you know, I thought Ostend came out pretty well. Um, you know, Desiron, Yannick Desiron was getting buckets. Uh, Loic Schwartz, Mikhail McIntosh, these guys, these guys were competing hard. Um, but yeah, Tenerife, just too much firepower, too much experience in this one. And yeah, it looks like they'll, they'll probably complete the sweep when this goes to Belgium. Uh, Dave, what did you see in this game? Uh, couldn't contain Marcelo Huertos and, uh, uh, Sherman Dini was dominant. I think we've been saying that all season. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. Um, but you know, okay. So Osten, you know, they've been, they've been playing, uh, you know, let's say, uh, over their heads, maybe a little bit all, all year. Um, you know, they were able to cut the, the 16 point deficit down to two with seven and a half minutes left. And then there was basically the, the knockout punch that, uh, that Tenerife was, was able to put together only nine turnovers, uh, for, for Tenerife and they held, uh, and they held, uh, Ostend to, to just uh, four of 15 on three points on three pointers. It's uh, under 27%. Um, you know, is the firepower going to be there? Are they going to have enough uh, Ostend to, to win at home? You would think not. Uh, and again, Tenerife is going to be, you know, also just like Saragossa looking to, you know, hopefully grab, grab, finish off the, um, finish off the series 2-0 to then have that week off uh, uh, on game day three. All right. So that's it for our round of 16 game one recap. Let's go to overtime. Five topics from around the league. First up, stat of the week. I'll go first on this one. Dave, uh, my stat is 27. Kendrick Ray scored as many points this week versus <laughs> Telecom Baskets Bond as he had scored in his previous three appearances in the competition combined. So he had 27 against Bond. That's coming after 14 against Anvil, 7 against Rastafecta, and 6 versus San Pablo Burgos. So Kendrick Ray stepping up when his team needs him most, uh, gets 27 points and the win in the playoffs. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Kendrick Ray from Ike. What's your stat of the week, Dave? Yeah, ten of sixteen and six of nine on threes for for Ray. Just a fantastic performance. I'm gonna go with seven, um, and that being um, actually the seventh double double for Marcelino in the last in the last fifteen games since December seventeenth. ACB BCL combined, he's averaging fourteen point three points and ten point five assists, including nineteen and ten uh, in the Osten in the win over Osten. Plus, uh, over the weekend, he had 25 points and 16 assists against uh, against Joventut. Uh, Marcelino, our, our uh, interview uh, partner, in a couple of minutes was just uh, just has just been playing out of his mind. Uh, fantastic all all season, and and really, what he's doing right now is you know slowly but surely, we got to put him higher in the uh, in the MVP in, in, in the MVP race in my eyes. So seven seven double doubles in the last uh, fifteen games. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been unbelievable. Absolutely. 
All right, next up, surprise of the week. I'll go first uh, for this one. Uh, I'm going to go with Deshaun Pierre, only five points in the Cesari loss to Borgos. Pierre is somebody who's been, you know, considered kind of a top five or six MVP candidate all season long, had some huge performances for Cesari throughout the regular season, leading them to a great record. Uh, so yeah, I, w- I was surprised only five points from him, uh, Borgos. Good job limiting him, uh, but also Cesari, you know, gotta, gotta find ways to get him the ball, get him more involved, uh, because that guy's a monster. So yeah, uh, that's my surprise of the week. Deshaun Pierre, only five points. What do you got, Dave? Um, actually, my surprises probably shouldn't have been a surprise if I'd actually done some homework before, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to it since I had it, and, and it's still kind of a surprise. It's kind of just a shock in general. Ben Dierma only playing, uh, not playing. Omar Pruitt and Tyler Kalinowski. Okay, I guess uh, maybe there's maybe they're the next uh, two to go. Uh, and they actually, I say, not a surprise because I I didn't even realize that they also did not play in the Turkish League game against uh, Bursa Spor over the weekend. Um, so I'm going to go with that, them not playing, uh, but again, you know, they didn't play over the weekend. So, you know, also maybe a little bit of a surprise in that regard, you know, Bandera actually sort of staying close, you know, we mentioned it, um, you know, the kids playing as well, um, as they did, you know, looking at the, at those ages, you know, they had, they were, they, there was a 19.7, uh, five, seven year, uh, that's, that's the average age. Two 17-year-olds, an 18-year-old, and a 19-year-old, plus the 16-year-old who was on the roster but didn't play. So let's go with Ben Derma, uh not playing uh, their guys, um, maybe to, to, to make sure they don't get injured before they, um, they uh, send them off to someone else. All right, next up, best performance by a role player in the round of 16. I'm going to go with Alexander Chisong from Dijon. You know, when we talk about Dijon, uh, often we talk about Holston uh, and the athletes, you know, Richard Solomon, Rashid Suleiman, um, you know, Lamonte Ulmer, these these guys who have the highlight dunks and everything. But Chisong, solid 14 points, seven rebounds, seven of eight from the field. He only played 16 minutes. Uh, so to get that kind of production in that amount of time is very impressive. So I went with him for my best performance by a role player. Who do you have for this one, Dave? I'm going to go Marcus Slaughter for Ike in the win over Bond. Nice. Uh, eight, eight points, four of seven from the field, 10 rebounds, four of those on the offensive end, plus two steals, two blocks. Uh, you know, it's a, a veteran guy who's done a lot of great things. Um, uh, over the years playing for, for big teams and, uh, you know, not, you know, we always talk about all these other guys and slaughter's not somebody we, we, we talk a lot about. Um, so, but, you know, without those eight points, 10 rebounds, especially the defense too, as well, you know, they don't get that win. All right. Next topic, toughest loss, um, staying in Greece with the Ike game. Uh, yeah, for me, it's gotta be bond ahead by six points. In the fourth quarter, up by one with four minutes left. You think you have a chance to steal the game on the road uh, against Ike, a team that has a great home court advantage. So that's a huge win if you can get it. You definitely don't want to go back there for a game three if you can avoid it. But Bond, we mentioned the late turnovers, the missed free throws, couldn't contain Kendrick Ray, and they end up heading back to Germany with a loss. Uh, and that's my toughest loss of the week. Uh, Dave, I assume that's what you were going to say also? Um, yeah, I, I, I originally I, I wrote down easy to say Cesare at home, uh, but going to say Bonn at Ike. I'm sure they didn't have um, 
Kendrick Ray scoring 27 points on their scouting report. Um, but, you know, you look at one offensive rebound for Bond, uh, and they gave up uh, 14 offensive rebounds to Ike. Uh, you know, you can't go on the road and just get one offensive rebound if you're going to, uh, if you're going to try to steal a road victory. Yeah, absolutely. And the next topic, bold prediction. I'm going to go with Sasari. I think they still win that series against Borgos, even though they lost home court advantage. They lost game one in Italy. Um, I think I think Sasari can make some adjustments, go to Spain, retake home court advantage in game two and wrap it up in game three. Um, of course, you know, Pierre, you would expect him to have a much better game. I don't think Borgos is going to shoot the ball quite as well as they did in this one. Um, Sasari, like we said, only one game played in the last month coming into this one. So now that they are kind of back in the flow of everything, um, used to game speed a little bit, they have another week to incorporate Jamie Smith coming over from Bandirma. I really like the Sasari team. I like the head coach, Jean-Marco Poseco. Uh, I, I think they still end up winning this one. Uh, so yeah, what's your bold prediction, Dave? Boring. I'm going to say the same exact thing. And you stole a whole bunch of my arguments. The, the only thing that <laughs> the only thing I'll, and that's okay. That's okay. And the only thing I'll add, okay. Uh, on top of all that as reasons why, uh, first, that uh, Sasari's going to go on the road and grab it, uh, grab the even the series, and then, and then win it at home. Is is they also they came back from seventeen points now. As 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 great as Burgos was actually playing, they 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 turned around a seventeen point deficit and had and were leading by either three or four in the third quarter and just you know weren't able to to finish at the end. Um, so that on top of everything else you said. So yeah, uh, Sasari, I still um, have them winning. All right, so that's it for overtime. Coming up next, we have Dave's interview with Brazilian legend and Tenerife point guard Marcelinho Huertas. So stay tuned for that. Dave and I will catch you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up. Huertas pulls up and gets it to go. Huertas strokes it wide open. Makes it look so easy, so routine, like he's in practice. He's just automatic, folks. He doesn't miss. And how about that? Cher Medini. Huertas just weaving his magic. So on the show this week, we have Marcelino Huertas uh, from uh, Barrow Star Tenerife. Um, Marcelino, hey, thanks for uh, taking some time. Uh, pleasure. Anytime. Uh, why don't we uh, first start off, uh, you guys... Um, uh, you guys uh, beat Ostend 85-75 uh, in the first game of the round of 16, the playoffs. Uh, maybe maybe how important was it to open the best of three series with that home win? Well, uh, we know how important it is to win at home, you know, especially in a three-game series. And, uh, you know, Ostend was a team that... Uh, we didn't know quite well, uh, of course, because we, you know, we haven't seen him play much throughout the season. There's so many teams in different groups. Uh, we try the teams who are more in our group, and uh, but you know, it's a very physical team, very good coach, uh, and uh, you know, it, it wasn't uh, like you know most people could, could expect. You know, we we knew how how difficult we would be. Uh, we respected them from from the first minute, but they they, they played a very serious game. And, uh, you know, they took the best from us for, for us to, to win this first game. So, uh, you know, uh, we got it done. Uh, we, did, we did our homework. Uh, first game is ours. So now 
we go to, to Belgium with, with no pressure. Uh, you guys led by 16 points midway through the second quarter, and then it was it was really just a two point game with uh, with under eight minutes left, and then you guys put together a 12 to three run um, for that 11 point lead, and basically the game was over after that. Maybe just talk about that that knockout punch, uh, and maybe what made the difference. Well, you know they they scored. Uh very high percentage from two points. Uh, they only scored, I think, four threes the whole game. And, you know, they were very uh, direct to the rim. They they find so many ways to, to get to the rim, uh, you know, even w- with the bigs or driving or finding, you know, uh, trailers in transition, just one-on-one situation, able to get by our defenders. And uh, and we needed to make a better job on this. You know, we we scouted them and we, we knew how, you know, what were their strengths. And, uh, you know, they, they, they just played a very, very solid game. And I think we, you know, in order to win the second game, uh, especially playing on the road, we got to get better in those, in those areas. And, uh, you know, whenever we played uh, better team defense, especially towards the end of the game when we needed the most, uh, we got those, you know, those points away from them. And we, we could actually, you know, play better on offense. Every time you, you play better defense, the chances of scoring an offense are, are higher. So, you know, I think those 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 things come always together. In the in the Champions League, you you only had the two losses at uh, Nizhny Novgorod and at Bamberg, and then uh, lost the home game to uh, to Nimburg. Otherwise, a very strong season uh, this far. Maybe what's been the key to this team's success? You mentioned the defense at the end of games, but you may just talk about uh, some of the keys that have really made you guys a good team. Oh, I think first of all we have a very, a very good team, very good roster, uh, obviously. And uh, I mean, second of all, I think we got to give a lot of credit to you know like uh, the coaching staff for uh, for you know making uh, you know a successful team with uh, 12 new players, which is not easy. We all know how uh, how hard it is to to start a project from 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 zero with no players from from the previous season. So, uh, you know, we got to give credit to, to them as well. You know, it's a very hard job. We all take it, you know, very seriously. We know how, how much information we need and uh, what we need to deliver on the court every every day we come in. So, you know, with practice, we try to focus as much as we can. And, you know, uh, I think, you know, little by little uh, showed the way for us in, you know, how, how good of a team we could be. And, you know, everyone's starting believing. And uh, I think, you know, so far we... We've been doing a great job, and we we expect to to keep building on it. Part of the Tenerife highlights, uh, seemingly every week, are some really fantastic uh, plays between you and Georgie Shamandini. Uh, maybe just how much fun are you having? Uh, are you having playing with him uh, in the uh, the pick and roll and other situations? Well, uh, Gio Shamandini is a tremendous player. You know, not only in pick and roll situations, but uh, he's one of the best. You know, classic fives. I think we can find. You know, uh, you you find him in the post and playing right hand, left hand, left hand, uh, giving assists, drawing fouls. Is a guy that can play back to the basket and also, you know, in pick and roll situations, is a guy that you know that mid range is an easy guy to play with. You know, we just gotta you know find a ways to different ways to to give him the ball and uh, he will deliver for you. So you know, it's been a, a very good connection for me this season. You you made a. Uh... Uh, buzzer beating three at the end of the f- the first quarter, uh, kind of a uh, signature shot. Seems like for you, maybe what's the the origin of that shot? Well, I've been you know doing my my whole life, my whole career, ever since I was a young kid. Of 
course, you know, in, in the early days, you know, closer to the basket and started doing like, you know, like from the free throw distance and little by little trying to, you know, adjust and make different, uh, it's not a shot that I take every day, but in limited situations like like this, it's a shot you got to take, you know, I feel comfortable, like I said, and we went in uh, this last game. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, it's something that you just kind of uh, sort of developed and, and everything. You know, maybe let's go back a little bit. You were, you were born in Sao Paulo in Brazil. Uh, maybe who, who are some of your role models uh, growing up and, and, and why those guys? Well, uh, at first, uh, I, I, I have to say, you know, I have something that was a, a, big, a big idol for me uh, when, I, when I was growing up. And I, I admire him as a... Uh, as a racer, as a person, you know, as uh, his spirit of racing and just the way he did things, he was a guy that really inspired me uh, as a kid. You know, I was really young. Uh, I remember watching the the races, and uh, he was a guy that uh, uh, I think taught me a lot, even at young young age. You know, and uh, after when I, you know, like of course I played basketball already when I when I was uh, when I was young, and I tried to. Uh, I try to be like my brother. My older brother, he played basketball and he was really good at it. You know, he played also for, you know, uh, for the young teams in Brazil, for national team. Uh, He was awarded uh, many, many years for being the best player of his his age. And uh, I wanted to be like him, you know. So I think he was my my biggest inspiration and mirror uh, growing up. And... uh, and I think, you know, after I started, you know, like playing more and more and seeing, you know, basketball players around the world, uh, I have always enjoyed watching, you know, Jason Kidd, uh, 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 Nash, of course. Steve Nash was one of the, the guys that I, I tried to inspire my game, uh, uh, you know, maybe the most uh, for having maybe, you know, like similar styles, of course. Uh, I know respecting that, that guy so much and, uh, I've, you know, I've seen, of course, uh, you know, European players like uh, Navarro, uh, uh, Diamantidis, and you know, so many guys. Even like young, younger guys that I, that I've played with, like Ricky Rubio when I was in Badalona, and he was just like a 13-year-old. Uh, you always can learn from like different people, you know, different ages. It's, it doesn't matter uh, how old you are; you can always learn from different people. So, you know, uh, I think it's just a matter of you trying to, uh, you know. Uh, Always, always focus on you know on keep learning. Never think you know too much because that's when you you you, you stop learning and start stop improving. We'll we'll come to that uh, uh, time at Yovantut with Ricky Obio uh, in, in a minute. Um, I did want to ask you, uh, you know, you're from São Paulo, and uh, you know, I guess around 2000 or so, you ended up at, at high school in in Coppell, Texas, which is actually just outside of Dallas. Maybe uh, how did how did that how did you land there and and and, uh, and uh, what did you think about that time and, and what did you learn from that? Well, it was a great experience for me, you know, going from Brazil to play in a different, completely different world of basketball in the U.S. with you know like so many different like athletes and you know like much more physical basketball. Uh, I ended up going there because. Uh, because my my father's best friend used to live in in Capel, uh, right outside Dallas, and uh, you know uh, he he gave me the opportunity to go live with him and you know do my senior year of uh, high school over there, and 
get a chance to play ball as well, you know, learn a different language, which I kind of knew already a little bit of English, but of course uh, my English wasn't even uh, close to be as good as it was after I, uh, I ended up going over there. And also, you know, for the opportunity of, you know, maybe playing, playing a good senior year, get recruited by maybe a uh, university and, or, or, or college and maybe, you know, start my career from there. You know, I never know uh, what was going to happen after, but uh, I knew I wanted to take that chance and, you know, learn from like a different perspective, a different basketball, you know, from, you know, the, the best, uh, the best uh, country in the world for known for basketball. So I was really young, and I thought that would be a great uh, experience for me. And then, and then you actually ended up going right back to Brazil. And then uh, in 2004, you went to to Spain, as you mentioned, Juventud, which is really kind of at the a high point for that club. You 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 mentioned Ricky Rubio, Rudy Fernandez was there as well. Uh, that club won the FIBA Euro uh, Euro Cup title in in 06. Um, Maybe, maybe. What do you remember most about that time? You know, you had great stars like Fernandez and and Ricky, you know, who were really still very young uh, in their careers. You know, really kind of just like you. Well, it was it was great for me. You know, just coming at a young age to, to Europe uh, to such a great team like uh, Badalona. Uh, you know, especially at, at at that time with so many young talents, and you know, uh, of course, I had also good veterans that played alongside uh, Elmer Bennett, uh, which, you know, was an incredible uh, point guard, uh, had an incredible career here in Europe. I had a chance to play not only alongside uh, Rudy and Ricky, but also, you know, Paul Ribas, uh, Alex Mumbrou, uh, a lot of, you know, Spanish guys that made brilliant careers, so many uh, foreign stars as well. Uh, had a chance to play for Coach Aito for three years, uh, which was, and it is, Still, like one of the most uh, known coaches here in Europe. So for me, it was uh, th- those are three years of uh, so much uh, understanding of basketball, learning concepts, and uh, I think for for myself, I maybe I, I couldn't have gone to a better place. You know, they gave me opportunity to play, being in a very good team, like you mentioned. Uh, we won the Euro Cup. We made playoffs in ACB uh, twice to Game Five of semifinals. Uh, playing against teams that you know had uh, so much more uh, budget than than we did, and uh, we compete. You know, we we weren't afraid of anybody, and it was three three brilliant years uh, we we had uh, uh, when I came to Europe. Uh, my my first my in my first club. You you mentioned Aito. Um, you know, even still to this day, now at Albert Berlin, he's you know still giving uh, young guys. Uh, a chance to play. Maybe how much did he did he help you, allowing you to play? I mean, you were 21. You were on a new continent. Everything else. Uh, maybe just how much of a what of a of a help was it having a guy who 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 really says, hey, if these doesn't matter how how old or how old you are or young you are, uh, if you can play, you're gonna be able to get minutes uh, uh, for me. Well, it was really important. Like I said, you know, he was. Uh like a very good teacher for, for me, teaching every detail, all the why, uh, you know, explaining the reasons of like things and concepts. And he was really patient on teaching and even correcting, you know, and uh, I, I couldn't be more, more, more glad and, and thankful for, for the opportunity he gave me uh, at that time. So, you know, uh, like I said, only, only good words for, for coach Aito and, and respect. 
And he's actually just one of uh, many great coaches you actually played for. Um, after that, you played for Chus Federetta at Bilbao. Uh, for those who might not remember him back in, in 2007, 2008, how is he still the same and how has he changed since then compared to how he is now? Well, he's got a lot more experience. You know, uh, that year we played together. Of course, he was a tremendous coach. He's been coaching his whole career. But uh, I think it was only his fourth year in ACB, just like mine. And we, we both uh, debuted uh, in ACB uh, in 2004, him with Bilbao, me with Badalona. And uh, I think right now, 10 years after, for, you know, having coached so long, so many different teams, EuroLeague, Euro Cup, and, and, you know, being much more respected than he, he used to be already. Uh, but I think, I think his experience is just like so so big you know he's one of those coaches that like is really smart he prepared games like no other coach uh defensively offensively making adjustments uh in every every single game no matter how many games we have in a week uh we're able to make adjustments according to uh, the team you're going to play against in a in a brilliant way you know so uh he's, he's pretty much the same uh as a person uh, as a as a friend uh we all, we've always had a very close connection and you know and this is one of the the main reasons i I came to Tenerife as well. Yeah, that was that was twelve years ago. I'm sure you you you. Yeah, I'm sure you feel a little bit older when you when you hear that. Um, uh, you know, you did. You then had Dragon Sagat, uh, Sakota at forty two at Fortitudo. You had uh, Dusko Ivanovic at at Pesconia and also Javi uh, uh, Pascal uh, at at Barcelona. You know, these these are clubs that are growing higher in stature and and higher in expectation. Um, you know, maybe what, what things are you learning now over these couple of seasons, maybe that shaped you? I mean, by the time you had arrived at Barcelona with Pascual, you were about 28 or so. Well, there's so many things, you know, I played for Dushko two years, uh, which was incredible years as well. Uh, and Pascual for four years, uh, they all have like different, uh, approaches to the game and, you know, like personalities and, uh, different styles as well, but they, they've all learned from each other a lot as well. You know, Pascual was uh, uh, Dushko's assistant for so many years, and he he's got a lot of you know of his like uh, uh, offensive uh, uh, strategies a lot from from him. The way you know you have to read the pick and roll situations on how, how defenses are more or less aggressive than you, uh, timing of passing, uh, being able to read situation, million. Uh, answers for that, you know, but I mean, those guys know so much basketball. It, we could sit here and literally talk about all day, you know, and I've, I consider myself a very lucky player because I've only, I've only had uh, very good coaches in, in here in Europe. And, you know, I, I'm not many players have that chance to, to play for, for coaches like I had, like Aito, Dushko, Xavi for four years, um, uh, Vidoreta. And I mean, I mean, not everyone can get the, this chance. So I'm really lucky. I not only uh, could learn from like, players, but I always had like great teachers uh, alongside. Um, and then in, 2000, in 2015, um, at, at age 32, you finally made it to the NBA. Uh, you ended up with the Los Angeles Lakers. That 15-16 season ended up being the uh, Kobe Bryant farewell tour um, and, and was your first taste of the NBA, maybe your your biggest memory of that season. Well, the biggest memory for sure is going to be Kobe's last game. Yeah, uh-huh. like shifts in most people's minds, you know, and uh, and from and especially from now on, you know, since what happened, you know, it's, it's going to be 
and everyone's mind forever. And, you know, like I said, one more time, I was, you know, lucky and blessed to be in a situation where, where I was uh, playing for the biggest NBA franchise, playing alongside Kobe and, you know, seeing his farewell tour, seeing that last game, being on the court, being able to be there with him inside, giving him passes and, and, uh, just something that I, I, I would never forget. Of course, it's going to be in the videos, but the feeling of just being around, seeing the respect he got everywhere we went, uh, even in places where, you know, the Lakers and even Kobe was hated, like Boston, uh, the kind of reception and respect this guy got um, going in every single arena. Uh, it, it's just something, like, remarkable. And, you know, just being able to, to be there in every single game uh, it was something, uh, it, it's hard to describe, but I mean, something I would take forever. And, and you experienced him up close and personal, you know, the, the ending on the court basically that year, you know, and it was, it was a, it was a motivated and, and sort of probably introspective Kobe as well, you know, coming back from the major injury and, you know, wanting to prove everybody that he, that he could still do it. Um, you know, obviously, uh, he was a world figure everywhere. You know, you, you saw him at the at the World Cup. He was a he was a a lover of the international basketball as well. You know, at at the uh, Olympics, everything. Um, you know, maybe just your your thoughts in general about uh, about his passing, and then maybe about the world reception um, uh, tribute to him. You know, with the twenty four eight and everything else. Just uh, maybe uh, maybe a couple of collective thoughts um, about uh, the the death of Kobe. Well, it, it's so hard to talk about, you know. I think uh, it, it was something that shocked the whole world, and uh, and it's, it's it's just crazy to think, you know, it was uh, his level of like culture and knowledge about like every other thing. It was it was impressive, incredible businessman, like you said, like father, and everyone just you know people that know knew him. I mean, there's not not one pe- one person that didn't like Kobe or didn't love Kobe. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it just speaks for itself. Uh, the guy, he, he was one of the best players in history. Uh, he's done so much for this sport, and he was still doing, like you mentioned as well. Uh, and he was doing, you know, he was a great businessman, doing a lot of stuff out of basketball as well. Had, like, a, um, his own academy. Uh, he was, you know, coaching his his, uh, his older daughter and her, her teammates. Um, I mean, he was... I mean, I, I guess like everyone would like to be on Kobe's skin for a day and just feel it, you know, like probably, you know, the way he felt for, for over like 20 years. Uh, it's just so so hard to talk about, you know, like it's another thing we can sit and talk and discuss and uh, the greatness of Kobe for for, for so many days. And uh, people will remember stories, uh, all the all the things he's all the things he's rich in life and, and, and he's he's earned. Uh, I mean, the legacy is, is, is enormous. Um, as you mentioned, there's so many. First of all, there's so many. There's there's so much depth that we can we we can go into with you. Unfortunately, we don't have hours and hours to talk. Uh, so just a, just a couple more more sort of topics. Um, you 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 were in LA the 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 one more season. Uh, really didn't play it uh, a lot that 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 uh, sixteen seventeen season. Um, you know, obviously there was the, the time and everything that you, you had during that, that, uh, 15, 16 season. Uh, but maybe just look back on, on your time in LA in total, you know, uh, also, you know, uh, with the 16, 17 season, um, and then your decision to, to go back to Europe. Well, uh, 
I've always, you know, tried to stay positive and think positive about, you know, the situations and try to make the best out of it, you know, try to control things you can control. Uh, I was doing my best in practice and, you know, the, the minutes I was playing, I, uh, I tried to do, I tried to do my best and I felt like the team always, you know, playing a different, different way, uh, when I was on the court, uh, and, and there's like a lot of players that like to play alongside me as well. But I mean, uh, you know, the NBA, it depends where you go, the situation of the team, uh, their goals, uh, you know, it was a team under construction, uh, reconstruction with a lot of young guys that needed to play minutes, needed to learn uh, how to play the game coming from college. Uh, a lot of them just one year in college. So, um, you know, I had to adjust myself and, you know, try to, you know, uh, be a little mentor for, for younger players like uh, D'Angelo or, you know, like other, 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 other guys coming in. Uh, and I, I try to make the best out of it, you know, try to stay, stay positive. A lot of, a lot of times I was frustrated as well. And, uh, I feel like I, I deserved a little more playing time, but, uh, you know, sometimes, like I said, you just can't, you just can't control everything. You just got to try to control what you can't control. And, uh, and, you know, <laughs> I was, uh, you know, of course, uh, on one side, really, uh, thankful and, and happy for be- being in LA, being in, in a, you know, in the biggest franchise of, uh, the NBA, but at the same time, uh, I felt like, uh, I deserved it a little more. Uh, let's talk about something that's a real big passion for you is the, uh, is the Brazilian national team. You had a chance to play at multiple world cups, uh, and also, uh, made it to the 2012 Olympics. And of course, just like everything else, I mean, we could talk hours and hours, um, but obviously, the 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 immensity of the Olympics, um, you know, not everybody has a chance to play the Olympics at home. Uh, maybe maybe talk maybe most about you know after experiencing all the World Cups and also the Olympics to then get a chance to experience the Olympics at home. What what was what was that like for you? So something unique like you said you know like uh, not, not a lot of athletes have the chance to play olympic games and very few have the chance to play at home so you know especially with i mean just just wearing the national team uh shirt for me is uh it's there's nothing more uh nothing that makes me more proud of you know so uh having the chance to play alongside our crowd and being at home, having our family's friends over there, it's, it's something unique. You know, we, we felt a little short than we expected, especially after the preparation we had. Uh, we lost a crucial game against Argentina, the game that we had an eight-point lead with like a minute and a half left. And uh, it was uh, something, you know, that we, we felt like uh, it was like uh, we were very frustrated. You know, we we expected to be in a situation where we could fight for a medal finally with the, with, with that generation, with uh, maybe the best generation uh, we've had in, in many many decades. So uh, uh, we we were frustrated uh, for sure after the, that one loss for Argentina. That probably kind of like sealed the, the the deal for us. You know, we we had a very good situation in the group and uh, winning that game, but unfortunately things didn't go how we expected. Maybe, maybe just uh, uh, the state of the of the Brazilian national team. 
uh, in general, you know, obviously you're, you're getting up there in age and some of the other guys that also played a role in 2016, but also the world cup last year, uh, in China are, are, are getting into their, uh, mid thirties. Um, you know, you do have a couple of, a couple of guys coming up, uh, but, uh, you know, maybe just the, the state of the Brazilian national team, obviously you have a, a European now in charge with coach Petrovic, but, uh, what do you think about Brazilian, uh, national team? So like Seattle then, uh, going down, uh, in the next couple of years. Well, uh, of course you're going to have to go like through a reconstruction as well. Uh, some, you know, mo most of players of, of that generation are, are going away. We don't know exactly, you know, who's going to be in, who's going to be out, who, who wants to be in or out, uh, for the next few years. Uh, you know, I, I I'm just going to talk about present right now because, you know, all we have right now is the, the Olympic uh, qualifying in June. And, uh, I think, you know, we're really excited about the, our opportunity here to go back to play another Olympics. And I think mo most guys uh, will try to play. You know, uh, I, I know for a fact that uh, uh, Alex Garcia will will try to, to come back. Uh, Anderson Varjan, even though he is, he's not playing in any any leagues this, this season, he's, he's taking care of himself and uh, he wants to be in the roster as well. Uh, Barbosa is, is, is one of the question marks because I think he's, he's about to be a father, right? Right before I think we go to uh, to the tournament, uh, but I mean we we have you know good young guys coming in. We have like other guys that you know are not too young as well, but you know being in the national team for quite a while, like Augusto Lima, Vitor Benite, uh, and I could say you know like you know another another names that everyone knows like uh, Rafa Hetzheimer. Uh, and anyway, I think we're going to be very competitive. Uh, we have a, a tough group, like every group you know in this uh, Olympic qualifying. Are very tough. Only the champion of each group uh, will will go on to to the Olympics. Uh, but I think we 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 believe in our chances, and uh, we're going with full power. And uh, hopefully, we can uh, we can make to this one less Olympics together. We we like to have our our our, our fans uh, of the of the BCL get, give them a chance to ask um, our our players some questions. Uh, for from Instagram, uh, Jorge Batista zero zero asks the great the greatest uh, experience you've had in terms of basketball. Well, uh, for, there's there's many, you know, like being able to be like one of them is to be alongside Kobe in his last season. Uh, another one is to make it to the Olympics is something really really special with your national team. Uh, of course, winning titles is great, uh, but I think one of the most Important things uh, I've 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 uh, I've got in my career. It's just the experience of like meeting like people and getting knowledge and culture from different players, different countries. Uh, just the whole experience of being a basketball player gives you so much. Uh, that you know, uh, it's it's something that uh, I mean, only only the sport could give you. You know. Um, Skype, Skype Koto second. Uh, this is your first year, uh, in the, in the, uh, basketball champions league, maybe the BCL future, uh, as the best championship in Europe. What are your thoughts about the BCL? Well, BCL level is, uh, it's very high. Uh, I think all European competitions, when you, when you get like the best teams from, from every country, uh, the level goes high. Uh, the, the level of physicality in champions league actually surprised me quite a lot. Uh, it's very physical competition, and uh, there's so many talented players that have great, great teams, uh, but also you know guys that are former NBA players. 
uh, I think the level is it, it's really high. You know, a lot of teams uh, make um, big bets because they want to win this championship, and you know they they sign big names. So I think the level is is, is very good. CB uh, Canarias fans uh, wants wants to know uh, what's the secret to be uh, physically and mentally at the high level that you are currently at. You know, you're you're at 36, and I don't know. I venture to say you're probably playing some of the basketball you've you've had of your career. So what what's your secret? Well, the secret is you know taking care of your body as much as you can. Of course, uh, I, I try to be really professional about what I do, and uh, of course, you know your body ha- has to hold up uh, with all with all the with all the years, all the games, all the practicing, and you know injuries are a setback. And luckily, I I never had a main injury that that kind of like set me back or pushed me back or uh, had to make me retire at young age. So. Uh, you know, it's it's a mix of uh, good uh, good manners, uh, taking care of your body, having good ethics, uh, trying to learn. Don't never you know underestimate nobody. Always respect coaches, uh, respect your teammates. I think there's uh, a key to success. It's much easier than what people expect, you know, or people think. Uh, doing simple things right, and you know, just just being a, a very good professional. I think that there's no secret in it. Without without saying, we just want to take one game at a time. Uh, on the other side of the bracket is San Pablo's Burgos uh, with your Brazilian national teammates, uh, Vitor uh, Benite and, and Augusto Lima. Benite obviously just scored t- 30 against Sassari. Um, maybe how much fun would it be to face your compatriots in the Final Four? Sure, that would be great. No, of course, like uh, we're, we're saying we have to win this uh, this first round. We have to beat probably you know the winner of uh, Zaragoza and Nitkaberi, probably Zaragoza it looks like. Which is another very very good team, but I mean, you you would be fun to play against my uh, not only teammates but also very good friends. You know, I have uh, uh, a lot of love for those two guys, and you you would be great to to meet with two more Brazilians in the final four. That would be a great sensation. Just two more, and I'll let you go. Um, you, you've played a lot of basketball all around the world, um, and. Uh, how would you rank the home court advantage that Tenerife have, you know, with the travel and the fans, you know, you've played a lot, you've played there a lot as an opponent and now you're at home. How would you rate the home court advantage that Tenerife has? Well, uh, I mean, the home court advantage we have, we have to take advantage, you know, because I know we know teams travel a lot to get here, but at the same time, whenever we go on the road, uh, we can't use this as an excuse because we, we travel as much as the other team to go, to go there. So, you know, it works for both ways. All right, and last question. Uh, knowing how many games that you guys have to play this season, BCL, Copa del Rey, Intercontinental Cup, ACB, uh, how nice would it be to be able to finish El Senda off next week uh, in Game 2 and, and not really have to worry about a Game 3 and actually get uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of rest? Oh, it would be great, especially because in in the in the third week, if we had to play game three uh, on on the Tuesday, we will have to play uh, on Thursday in Murcia because it's a postponed game from ACB because of the Intercontinental Cup, and would be really really exhausting. It's going to be a very tough week for us. So you know, we better try to take care of business in the second game and 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 finish this 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 uh, this first series so we can actually you know go to Mercy in, in a decent situation to, to play. Uh, Marcelino Huertas, thank you for so much time. Uh, as we've said a couple of times, it'd be fun to talk hours and hours, uh, but uh, you've been able to uh, give us uh, a very nice big chunk of time. Appreciate it, uh, and uh, good luck 
uh, in the ACB and uh, and also in the uh, Basketball Champions League uh, over the rest of the over the rest of the season. And uh, stay healthy and safe travels. Well, thank you so much. It's been really fun, and I'm willing to do uh, this whenever you guys want. All right. Thanks again to Marcelino Huertas for joining us on this week's episode. Dave, uh, a lot of topics covered there. Marcelino's had a really incredible career. And I think the, the most amazing thing is he just seems to keep getting better with age. Like this is an absolutely incredible season from him uh, in his mid thirties. What did you think about what Marcelino had to say? Uh, you know, I, I said in a, I said it a couple of times uh, in the interview and, and uh, not to sound boring and repetitive, but, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you almost just want to talk for hours. Um, to, to think about some of the coaches that he's played for, um, and to, to, to kind of see it not quite come full circle because, uh, Vitoretta, uh, he had already been with, uh, Aito for three years, uh, at, at Joventut, uh, but then 12 years later, uh, to come back to Vitoretta, you know, uh, is pretty cool. Uh, but just so many of the, the coaches, uh, great coaches that he's played for. Um, and, and now to, to think about young players that are playing with him and, and he's, and he's basically, let's say Elmer Bennett was for him when he went to jo- Joventut, you know, Bennett played for ages. Um, and, you know, and to, you know, for him to, to look at guys like Rubio and, and Fernandez, Ricky Rubio and, and Rudy Fernandez and, and, and think about, you know, the, the, the high, the high times that, that Joventut had back then, um, and some of the guys that he's played with, um, you know, and then playing Olympics at home. And like I said, just, it, I, I wish we could have talked for two hours, three hours, whatever, but obviously, you know, this podcast would, no one would listen to three hours of, of podcast, although it would, you know, uh, you know, he, he's a good storyteller too. So, um, uh, it was just, it was just a lot of fun to talk to a guy that's, you know, been through, been through so many great, uh, experiences and, um, and to kind of just, you know, pick and choose some of the, the topics to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again to, to Marcelino for his time this week. Uh, Dave, it was a great round of 16 game one for the Brazilians, not just Marcelino Huertas, but uh, Vitor Benite and Augusto Lima over at Burgos, leading them to the victory over Cesari. And as Marcelino said, may- maybe they end up playing each other in the final four down the road. Before we get to that point, we have game two of the round of 16. It's coming up next week. Tuesday, March 10th, Wednesday, March 11th. Uh, Dave, looking at the game twos, uh, what are you most excited for for next week? Uh, you know, just to see, you know, some of the teams that were disappointed with their game game day ones, you know, Bon, Sasari, if they're able to come back, um, you know. And uh, yeah, those are probably the, the, the two most interesting ones for me. Um, you know, maybe if, uh, you know, can Kenizny, uh, you know, grab a, grab a road, grab a home victory. Um, you know, I, I wonder how many of these series, uh, are going to be over after two games. Um, I'm, I'm expecting at least two, probably three or four. Uh, but, uh, let, let's hope, let's hope not too many because it would be nice to, to have, uh, to have, have some, uh, a number of good games for game day three. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure we'll get a couple game threes. Uh, but yeah, some of these, 
should be wrapped up next week. Uh, like you, I'm looking forward to Bond versus Ike. I want to see if Bond can respond from that heartbreaking loss and come out, protect home court advantage, and go back to Greece for Game 3. So I'm looking forward to that one, as well as Dinamo Sassari on the road at San Pablo Burgos. Both of those games are on Tuesday. Make sure you subscribe to livebasketball.tv to watch those. You can also watch some of these games on the Champions League YouTube channel, depending on which country you are in. So check that out. Go to the official website, championsleague.basketball, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at basketballcl. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again to our guest, Marcelino Huertas from Tenerife. For David Hein over in Germany, my name is Austin Green, and this has been BCL Coast to Coast.